It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, it's a beautiful Friday in Minneapolis. Yeah, we know it's 17 degrees, but you know what's even better? A weekend filled with football. We got Iowa, Minnesota, and we got the Vikings and the Cowboys. There's sneaky, something sneaky about this Cowboys game that we have to get into when we get into this round table. I'm going to have Gabe Henderson, Luke Inman, and then, of course, Sam Ekstrom joining me. But before we get into that, you're going to want to stick around because there's a way the Vikings can absolutely destroy the Cowboys. But we'll talk about that next. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcasts. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. And it starts now. Welcome to Locked On Sports Minnesota's Friday Football Round Table. And of course, we had to we had to get another pinch hitter in here. Uh, we had to sub out a receiver. We subbed out the, the 6-4 uh, slow tight end type receiver. We added a shifty slot. And Gabe Henderson, for those that don't know, Gabe played slot at Liberty. So he knows a little bit about football. But I want to introduce Gabe Henderson. We got Luke Inman, who's one of the most interesting men in the podcast and we got sam extra sam extra but gabe let's jump out there man everybody's talking about it uh my, my guy uh pat mcafee you know put it up there lebron we know lebron lies so who knows what his tweet was it probably would have been his tweet it's probably maverick carter but you know lebron's a, a habitual line stepper as jalen uh, ramsey called him out this past week uh but hey when you saw the video and, and you and then go back to that play what was what was going through your head and what was that sequence like in the Vikings Bills game? Yeah, it's crazy. It's been a, a crazy week just, you know, from that video. And usually like the Vikings, when we post uh, PA's calls, we only post literally one video. So if there's like seven explosive or seven touchdowns, we'll only post the best reaction. So the fact that they did like a compilation of the, you know, the game and the sequence of events, I was like, Oh, fans really get to see what goes on in that booth. And, um, Dude, I, I went through every single emotion and uh, I feel like fans realize that. I, I guess I couldn't, I couldn't hide my emotion on camera. So I, I think the toughest part was trying to stay quiet throughout PA's calls because like, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, I, I mean, I was screaming. People were thinking I was mute, but like I, I was legit screaming. You just can hear it on the mics. Like I wasn't like to the top of my voice, but at the same time, I was like, I don't want to interfere between PA and, and Bursage and get in between their calls. But man, that was a moment. That was an experience. And uh, it's, it's kind of funny seeing, you know, fans, you know, get behind what PA does and like certain comments being like, oh, well, the best part of this video is, is Gabe actually his reactions and him going through every single emotion from from Sunday's call. So it was cool. My phone's still blowing up, but it was it was cool to, you know, kind of go viral. I was expecting you to hit the gritty or something, man. Like you should have been in the back throwing up the bees, hitting the gritty or something, or <laughs> punching hey, Bursich in, the, in the solar plexus. It's 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 actual footage of me uh, doing the doing the gritty after a JJ touchdown this year. We just never put it out, so <laughs> maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I have to figure out what I have to figure out what part of the fashion show you're in. We'll we'll talk tonight. Like, I've been preparing for this moment. Like I, I I've done eighteen or 17 straight workouts in 18 days yesterday i did two a day i worked out at like eight or nine in the morning 
And then I turned around last night and worked out at about 5 p.m. So, you know, I got my two-a-day in yesterday. I'm exhausted. I woke up, my body hurts. But I was looking forward to that part because I'm like, man, I've been I've been preparing for this moment to go shirtless with the fur yeah. and there's no fur coat. I got to figure it out. Maybe I do a suit with there, no shirt. There's a, there's, a, there's a thing called working smarter and not harder, man. You're working out 17 days and 17 times in 18 days. Just do steroids, bro. You'll, you'll get that same result. <laughs> Come on, Ron. Everybody's doing it. Come on, Ron. Keep up. Come on. Didn't get hey, the invite, Luke. Play We're just left out. Fans of the show know my stance on uh, things that will take you away from sex. And I feel like steroids is one of those. So I'm, I'm not doing it. Because, <laughs> Gabe, there's a joke where Luke Inman – Oh, not Luke Emmons, sorry. Luke Braun said that uh, Kirk Cousins throws the ball to Justin Jefferson a little bit too much in one-on-one situation on the goal line. He's like, I, I just don't know if that's going to work all season. And, and he's like, I-, I wish he would do other things. And I'm like, one-on-one with Justin <laughs> Jefferson versus any other DB in the NFL. Gabe, you could appreciate this. It's like It's like sex with your wife. It's like I know – what I'm getting out of this. Like, I know my attempt yeah. to have sex with my wife. I know the attempt. Like, I know it's going to happen. Like, I Good know chemistry. the result. You know, it, it's, it's not a 50-50. Exactly. Maybe 80-20, depending on how you started the yeah. day off. You know what I mean? Like, oh, man. So that's that's where, and Luke, you know, Luke's, I think, is unmarried. He's young, so he doesn't understand that. But I'm like, one-on-one with Justin Jefferson, I, give it to me every ch- – I, I, my chances, I like that chance. 80, 20, 75, yeah, you don't 25, pass that I like up. Somewhere Luke Braun is like, what? What are you talking about? I don't get it. <laughs> Let's talk stats and Snickers and Twix. Um, so, so – Because What's the film say? What's the film say? Let's go watch the film. Right. That's what he says. So here we go, fellas. Let's start the show off. First topic, Vikings, Cowboys, keys to victory. It could be something small, something big, something great, something scary. Could be a hot take, whatever you got. We're going to start one minute on the clock for everybody, and we're going to start with you, Sam Ekstrom. What you got? Well, let's get Christian Derrissaw back. Um, I think people were pessimistic that he was going to be playing in this game after the concussion. Did not practice Wednesday, but was limited yesterday, which seems like a really good sign to me that he might be able to exit that protocol. I'm guessing we'll have a designation on him today, maybe questionable, and you know see if he can, can go on Sunday. But that's big. That's big because you want to have both your tackles intact with Micah Parsons on the other side. You don't want to have Parsons going up against Blake Brandle, who really held his own. Like, I don't want to knock Blake Brandle. He was really – and we had him on Luke's show yesterday as well, so go check that out. But I'd still like to have Christian Derrissaw in the game, um, and I'd like to have Brian O'Neill on the other side so that your tackles are sturdy against Micah Parsons. I think that's huge on the offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side, wrap up. Wrap up against Tony Pollard, who has been running through people so far. He's got the most yards after contact per attempt – in the NFL, and overall six yards per carry, one of the best in the league. He's been explosive. He's been elusive this year, and I do worry a little bit about wrapping him up defensively. Luke Inman, what you got? Yeah, Sam's right. Number one pass rushing team in the league between Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dante Fowler, and now they got this rookie from Ole Miss, second-rounder Sam Williams. That front four, top to bottom, It might be the nastiest in the NFL. The flip side is they're one of the worst rush defenses in the league, ranking 27th out of 32. We got a great reminder last week in Buffalo. No matter the score, you can't stop giving the ball to Dalvin, even if you're down big. And in this game, even Alexander Madison should be getting his touches, too.
too, because you can't get behind the chains against this pass rush, put Kirk and this offensive line in third and longs, or you're going to be in for a long day. I'd love to see 30 carries between Cook and Madison minimum. The other side of the coin is if you can get up early on these guys, which we know KOC, he's had amazing success on these opening drive scripts, scoring seven of nine opening drives this year. This Cowboys pass blocking unit, dead last in the league. So forcing them in obvious pass rushing situations, letting Zedarius, Daniil pin their ears back, using that home crowd noise, that home field advantage at the bank, that's the best way for KOC to maximize his strengths while attacking the Cowboys' biggest weaknesses. That's how you beat the Cowboys this Sunday. Gabriel, what you got? Yeah, I, I look at it. Dak Prescott strikes me as someone, uh, when he goes bowling, he doesn't put his thumb in the ball. He just puts his top two <laughs> fingers, middle finger, ring finger, that and then guy. tries to spin it. Like his his thumb is clearly still bothering him, which is the reason why he's not 100%. Uh, right now, uh, Dak Prescott has nine less completions than Cooper Rush, 150 less yards, and one more interception than Cooper Rush. Dak Prescott is not 100%, and clearly it's because of his thumb. So if you're, if you're this Minnesota Vikings defense, Get interior pressure on him. Make him try to throw the ball over his offensive lineman. And if he does that, he's not going to follow through on his throws, clearly because he doesn't want to get his thumb hit on his offensive lineman or defensive lineman's helmet. So I think interior pressure is going to be key this week. We know Dak Prescott loves to force throws. And why not get that interior pressure? You got Zadarius Smith. You got Daniel Hunter. Why not rush both of those guys from the inside and force Dak to make some throws across the middle? I think Dak's going to throw two interceptions, clearly, because of that interior pressure. So get it early, get it off, and hopefully get a couple of takeaways on defense. Here's mine. It's a little statsy, but you know me. I love the stats, and so I'm going to throw it out there. The key to this game, and it's going to come down on first and second down, and Kevin O'Connell has said that at one point early in the season, he had the best first and second down offense in the NFL, and he has to continue that trend. I think the big difference is we saw the Minneapolis Miracle, and we saw what happened in the Eagles game. I don't think this is that team, but we shall find out at 325 in Minneapolis this weekend on Sunday. But here's the stat. On third down, 7 to 11 yards to go offensively, the Cowboys and the Vikings are pretty much dead even. Both have gotten 27.9 and 28.3 respectively on first down and second down. Or sorry, first downs or touchdowns on third and 7 to 11 plus. So they're both or third to third down, 7 and 11. So they're both right there. But here's the sneaky one for the Cowboys. They have 11.6% of those plays are turnovers. That is the worst in the NFL. So I feel like they are forcing the issue sometimes. We know a lot of coaches run draws on third and 11 and people hate it. But the, the reverse is you don't get a chance to punt and you put your defense at risk. And that's what's happening to the Dallas Cowboys. They're a little too aggressive. Vice versa, the Vikings, 53 plays of third and seven to 11 plus, which is the most in the NFL, so they have to find a way to get some third down manageable plays because when they're hitting on third downs, they can blow this game out, and I think that's the key to this blowout. Let's get into this. Do you think the Vikings should have re-signed Anthony Barr in the way this 3-4 defense looks? Let's go backwards, and let's start with you, Gabe Henderson. 
We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Um, no, I don't, I don't think they should have resigned, uh, Anthony Barr. Um, I think earlier in the off season when, you know, we were finding out that they were not going to resign him, it was like, all right, well, what, what are we doing here? Who are we going to bring in? And then you see that Zadarius Smith trade, or I mean, not the trade, you see the Zadarius Smith signing and it's like, okay, I get it now. Uh, Zadarius is, is going to wear 55. So it's like, okay, well, Anthony Barr is not going to be back. And then <laughs> once we started to see how this defense was going to play out, it was like, well, where does Anthony Barr fit? Um, now that Ed Donatello's defense has somewhat of an identity, I, I don't think, you know, Anthony could be a, um, a Jordan Hicks or Eric Kendricks in his offense. He's, he's more of a pass rusher uh, versus a, a guy who plays, you know, the box. So I, I look at that and say, like, what, what do we have to do to keep him, you know, him, in, I guess, how, how could we keep him in purple if he doesn't fit this, fit this defense? So I, I never thought he would, be back, but I don't think he fits his defense also, and I don't think that we regret not signing him. So I'm sure he'll be, um, he'll, he'll have, you know, this will be a revenge tour for him, heading back to U.S. Bank, playing against his former team, but I'm glad he's on the Cowboys. Yeah, Reggie and I talked about the revenge factor a little bit yesterday, and I wonder for him when it got down to the business side of things here those last few years, he sat there, he watches his boy Eric Kendricks get paid, Harrison Smith gets the bag, Adam Thielen, Hunter, everybody gets paid. Was he looking around like, why am I the last in line? Why am I viewed like the guy who's most expendable? He was a huge part of some of those great defenses under Zim, but I think the flip side, near the end, he had such a tough time staying healthy. Only started 17 of 39 games those last three years. He missed 21 games those last three seasons. And his play really started to deteriorate from what we were used to seeing. Remember that Halloween game, third and long? You got Zeke behind the chains. Just got to wrap him up in open space for the win. We all know how that ended. So I certainly think the decision to let him walk was justified, especially given the switch to a new 3-4 defense. Uh, being able to get a guy like Jordan, Hendri- uh, Jordan Hicks, excuse me by the way to step in for a fraction of the price too by the way just another big win for Quasi's resume as we look back and see what he did this offseason yeah could you have found some role for Anthony Barr at two million dollars this year yeah I think you could have I mean I think that that's a super reasonable price for someone of his credentials but Gabe is right there's not a spot for him he's not an interior backer He's not a phenomenal coverage linebacker, and he doesn't have a lot of experience as a traditional pass rusher. Uh, Mike Zimmer would scheme blitzes for him, but most of those were blitzes where they would open up a gap and the seas would part and Barr would shoot through. It's not like he's used to taking on offensive tackles one-on-one, so I'm not sure how productive he would have been in a bigger pass rushing role. Um, I think that it's probably appropriate that as Zimmer went out, Barr went out because nobody appreciated Barr's gifts more than Mike Zimmer. 
Um, just the the way that offenses had to account for him in the 4-3, the communication he had with Eric Hendricks. I think he was probably underappreciated in Minnesota. And considering his injury issues last year, he actually played pretty well when he was on the field. And I think that was a good way for him to go out in Minnesota. No need to, to hang on to somebody who's probably on the wrong side of 30 and isn't going to get back to his glory days. So the best thing for Daniel is his hand in the ground. So now we're starting to see a hybrid type of look on, on certain pass down situations where Daniel's able to put his hand in the ground. If you flip that, Zadarius Smith is actually going inside. He's playing at a five sometimes. He, he's running the loop. I don't know if Anthony Barr is that true guy. He's also taking on tackles in the run game, and, and that wasn't Anthony's strength. When you look at Anthony Barr this season, only two quarterback hits. He has no sacks. Um, I, I just, I think the time was, I think that was, was the time because we've asked, we asked for years and years and years to unleash Anthony Barr and let him just go after the quarterback. If he had done this early in his career and got some work at the outside rush type of pass protection where you put, uh, Anthony Barr on one side, Daniel on the other side, put him on the same side. Sometimes let them both just get after the quarterback and see what happens, you know, like in a DJ Wanham type situation, maybe, uh, but they never did it. And so the way Zadarius Smith is at eight and a half sacks, you can't even, you can't even go back and think you can't like, you know, and that, and that's where I, I go with no, like you, you can't go back because you don't know what you're going to get health wise. You don't know what you're going to get attitude wise. Um, and sometimes it's best to just move on for everybody and it's working out for the Vikings. I don't know how it's working out for the Cowboys, but we'll see on Sunday. Uh, but here we go. The number one seed is up for grabs now because the Eagles lost. And because the Eagles lost, the Vikings now, it's kind of neck and neck. Both are one-loss teams. I look at the Eagles' situation down the stretch. They have a tough one. The Vikings, this is, I think this is one of their last two. This, this stretch we already talked about was tough, and I said two and two. And they have the Cowboys and the Patriots left in this. And then it could be smooth sailing. I mean, you do got the Jets, yeah, but I think the Jets is a winnable game. But this Cowboys-Patriots game, again, if they lose one of these people, don't be worried about it. But the number one seed is up for grabs in the NFC. How many wins will it take the number one seed in the NFC to be either the Eagles or the Vikings or somebody else? Could it be a dark horse that all of a sudden they both lose the next four games and somebody with three losses, like um, uh, I think the Cowboys with three losses, maybe they win the NFC. Might not happen, probably won't happen. But let's start with you, Luke. What's it going to take to get the number one seed in the NFC? Yeah, this is either going to go one of two ways for Philly. Either that's the game that wakes up the sleeping giant, they get ticked off, they get hot again, and run away with the one seed. Or it puts the blueprint on tape for the rest of the league to realize they're far from perfect. They continue to get exposed on the ground defensively. And if that's the case, I think the Vikings have a real shot at keeping pace because look at who the Eagles play next. Washington, who can run the ball. The Giants twice with Saquon Barkley. The Titans with King Henry. The Colts with Jonathan Taylor. And the Cowboys with Pollard and Zeke. There's a reason they went out and got Sue and Limbaugh this week. But I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles lost two or three more games. And that means the Vikings would need to go 6-2 and two the rest of the way. Finish with a 14-3 and three record because of the tiebreaker to lock up that one seed. Feels like a lot right now just on paper. But with this team... You just can't count them out anymore. They've proved us wrong too many times. The wild card team that, uh, you, you, you know, in the back of, of my mind that not a lot of people are talking about, the Giants are breathing down everybody's neck at 7-2. and two. Maybe they're not for real, but they play the Eagles twice. If they were to sweep the Eagles, watch out for the Giants as well. They could be in the mix at the end too. 
think Luke hit the nail on the head, and I don't know if we have the, the remaining schedule graphic available, but Philadelphia has a very interesting stretch of three road games consecutively where they play the Cowboys, the Bears, and the Giants on the road in three straight weeks. I think that might be the defining stretch of the season for Philadelphia. And I think Minnesota could actually build a lead because they've got five out of six at home coming up. Um, It could come down to those final two weeks. Philadelphia has their final two games at home. The Vikings have their final two games on the road at Green Bay, at Chicago. And I don't care about records. Both of those games still worry me for Minnesota. Um, The Vikings have to build a cushion, I think, going into those final two games. And I think Luke's right. You got to go six and two to get this number one seed, which means fourteen and three. That would be one of the great seasons in Minnesota Vikings history. And I don't know if they've ever managed fourteen wins besides the '98 season. It'd be the second best regular season ever. But I think they need to do it if they're going to outduel these Eagles down the stretch. Uh, obviously, a lot of season left, but got to win your home games, and that starts with the Cowboys and Patriots. Uh, There really is no wiggle room. You can't afford to lose a game um, in your building like this. Gabe, what you got? Yeah, I feel like uh, both of those guys hit it right on the head. Um, I I feel like the Eagles schedule is a a little bit easier than this Vikings schedule. Uh, Ron, I know you said that the Jets are a team that the Vikings should win, but I, I think that's a tougher game than a lot of people are giving them credit for it. And um, when, you, when you have, you know, Washington, when you have this five-game stretch, Washington, Buffalo, Cowboys, uh, Patriots, Jets, like it, it becomes a, a war of attrition. Like who who comes out the most healthy? Or, or, or is everybody beating each other up? Like how, how does that work? So hopefully this Vikings team, you know, can continue to stay healthy, but this is going to be the toughest part of the stretch for this team. And I feel like they, they can be the number one seed in um, the NFC coming out of this stretch. But at the same time, you look at it and say, you, you don't want, you know, us to, you know, win all these games and uh, guys are, are going down and dropping like flies because the, the playoffs is, is what matters most. So I think, you know, health is going to play a huge factor in, you know, seeing who's going to be the number one seed. I mean, we could see another team sneak up and become number one seed. I don't think the Giants are that good, but I can see them – making a late run as of late but the, the vikings somewhat control their own destiny now with um you know being one of two teams with one loss in the nfc yeah how many wins is it gonna take um i don't know if a team's gonna go 16 and one i just see it's so hard in the nfl to do that uh we haven't seen that well of course the dolphins you know 72 team they were cheering um and so when i'm looking at how many wins is going to take? I think at both teams with eight, you have to get to four. And I think Sam brought it up. You have to get to about 14 or 15 wins. I think 14 or 15 wins will get you the number one seed. Um, I, I do think one of these two teams is going to lose another two or three games. Or, or sorry, another one or two games and end up with two or three losses. So I think 14, 15, like that's the way to go. And if they both end up 14 and three, um, the Eagles have the tiebreaker. Uh, so that's that's where the Vikings, if they if the Eagles lose three, the Vikings can only lose two. I, I think 14 or 15 wins is going to get this done to get the number one seed. And, and Gabe's point is dead on. How much does that matter to you? If you feel like we're OK going on the road to Philly, does it matter to rush Dalvin Cook 35 times in the next two games at the end of the season against the Bears and the Packers? Or is it one of those, you know what? 
we're in this thing. We have, you know, we won the NFC North already. Let's let Alexander Madison get going. Get Dalvin in there, but let's get out of this thing healthy. So when we go to the playoffs, we're at full strength. Um, and, and I think that's going to be, I mean, let's get some Nick Mullins in there. Like if Kirk Cousins can mm -hmm. rest a little bit, maybe play a first and quarter, let's get like, let's get Nick Mullins in there. Let's see what Nicky can do. Um, it'll be interesting to see though, because losing or sorry, resting versus going into the playoffs hot. That's always a topic of discussion. Like, you know, if you take games off and you rest your starters, can you go win it? The Colts did it. And so that's why I go back to collaboration and coaching style. Kevin O'Connell, his, his demeanor reminds me of old Uncle Tony. And uh, Reggie, everybody knows the story about Reggie Wayne. Reggie Wayne, they rested him in like that last game and he only needed like 50 or 60 yards to get like a million dollar bonus. And he didn't go to the coaches and say, hey coach, you can't rest me this game. Like I need 50 yards, 60 yards for a million. Or no, I was like, it wasn't that much. It was like 250,000, 500,000. It was still a lot of money. Um, but you know what? He was like, you know what, man? I'll, I'll get this money back in the Super Bowl. And they did. They went to the Super Bowl and then they ended up winning and he got all that money back. Now, would you, could he have both monies? Maybe. Or he could have gotten hurt. And he's not there to catch that touchdown against the Bears early in the game from Peyton. But it's college football time. Before we jump into college football, though, we have a word from our sponsors. BetOnline.net. And this is actually what we're going to talk about with this Gophers-Iowa game. If you check out the line and the over-under at BetOnline.net, you'll see something historic with Gophers-Iowa. Yes, historic. An over-under of 32.5, the lowest Ever, Mike, our uh, Gophers are favored by two and a half in that game at Huntington Bank Stadium. We've been watching that Vikings line all week at BetOnline.net. Minnesota still an underdog. They are plus one at home against the Cowboys. Get the college football lines. Get the NFL NFL lines, NCAA basketball, and NBA as well at BetOnline.net on your laptop or mobile device. BetOnline, where the game starts. Oh, Sam, Ekstrom, like you said, bet online. By the way, people, you're going to want to stick around for this segment because every time I've given you guys a bet, it's hit. I told you guys to bet on the Vikings and the Bills. I don't know if you listen to me or not, but we'll see. Here's one I'm going to give you. It's going to be a lock. Take it. BetOnline.net. But, Sam, over under, 32 and a half, lowest ever. Which side are you taking? Are you taking the over or the under? Oh, boy, that is a low number. So, they're saying the Gophers are favored by two and a half. So basically what they're guessing is a 17-15 game. That, mm -hmm. That's more or less the, the score that they think, 17-14. Um, yeah, it's going to be like first to 10 wins this game. I mean, the Iowa defense has been playing great in their three-game winning streak. Gophers defense has been playing great. And the Gophers offense is not equipped – to be high-powered right now. I mean, Kelly McManus, as a passer, is not there yet. Um, Gophers are going to have to run the ball to, to move it at all. It's going to be 20 degrees. Gophers have three of the last five games where they've completed less than 10 passes, and that's both with Morgan and with Kelly McManus. Um, I think that it's, it's such a low number that if you get one special teams touchdown or one defensive touchdown, pick six or something, that can go a long way to, to moving that over. So if I'm a better here, I'm probably taking the over. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to be sloppy. It's going to be low scoring. Not many passes thrown. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to watching it. A little throwback football. What you got, Gabe? 
over under. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't really know too much about either team outside of uh, I don't really take the the Gophers too serious because every year I get my hopes up and I'm like, all right, this is the year the Gophers are gonna are gonna do it, and then they lose to a team they're not supposed to. I think I was on this show um, not long, probably about a month ago, and it was I forget who they were playing, and I was we were like, all right, the Gophers are undefeated. Are we taking the over? Or are we taking the under? And I took the over, and I was just like. Thinking back to myself, I'm like, man, I should never took that over. And then they ended up losing. So, uh, Ryan, you know better than I do when it comes to the Gophers. Um, it was Purdue. But I, I was do Purdue think game. this game. Purdue, okay. But I, 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 when I think of Iowa and I think of the Gophers, Iowa doesn't really have a good offense. The Gophers hit or miss. So I'm gonna, I'm just going to take the under and I'm gonna say uh, 20 points. I think the game will be uh, 17 to three uh, either way. And quote me unquote me do what you got to do but i i just don't think either of these teams uh, know how to score points when it when it gets too cold outside lucas yeah i've learned over time when the over under is so extreme one way or the other you lean into it you take that side of the coin so when it's this crazy even under i'm taking the under let's think about it 19 degrees out saturday 15 mile an hour wins. Last week, Iowa had 146 yards of offense, 94 yards in the air. Gophers only threw for 64 yards passing board versus Northwestern. And yet both teams won. How? You're talking about the number four and number five ranked scoring defenses in the country. And this is how both teams are built to win games. Gophers ran the ball 56 times last week. They moved the ball well. Problem is, last time they faced a defense this good was Illinois. They had serious trouble moving the chains. They lost that game 26-14. This Iowa defense is for real. They got a linebacker I want you to watch, number 31, Jack Campbell. Absolute stud. He's going to be a top 50 pick. Sideline to sideline, old school bruiser built for games like this he might end up with 15 tackles so between the top five defenses the brutally cold conditions and the fact neither of these teams can pass the ball the clock's going to be running a lot very little stoppage very little scoring take the under feel good about it because this thing i think gabe's right might be 10 to 9 when it's all said and done mm, good breakdown <laughs> well i'm going to go with the over just because i'm going to be there and i want to see points but here's the thing the Iowa defense actually scores touchdowns and points more so than their offense in a lot of these games. I forgot what game it was, wow. but it was seven to nothing. And if you mm -hmm. didn't know what happened, you would not have understood it. But the they end up getting two safeties and a mm -hmm. field goal. I think it was against like South Dakota or something. And it was like seven to nothing. So when you turned it on, you're like, oh, okay, Iowa score. And then you look back, you're like, wait, what? Like they got two safeties and a field goal and it was seven, nothing. And so this team finds ways to put points on the board defensively, the Gophers. And here's where I go with this. Everybody remembers this movie, right? Bang. This is how the Gophers are born. I didn't see the warmth until I was a man. And by then it was nothing to me. They've been born in this cold. Like they practice and PJ Fleck takes snow from outside and brings it into the indoor. He gets these guys. We did the PJ Flex over there on Tuesday. It was freezing in the indoor. They prepare the players, even though they're not going to practice outside because he's not stupid. He's like, wait, I don't want to be freezing. But they bring snow. They have the, the big cats and all the stuff. Bring snow from outside. Inside, they turn the temperature down as low as they can go. They raise the doors up, and the snow stays piled up around the field, on the sides, because they want the players to feel like what it's going to feel like. If you run out of bounds and you hit a snowbank, you got to mentally get back over there and keep practicing and know what's going on. So this wasn't a cushy, cold, or sorry, warm practice for these guys. 
they were molded by the cold. So the running game, this is what they do. They put up 27 to 35 points by running the ball. Mo will get three touchdowns in a game, and this is going to be one of them. And the Iowa defense is good. The Govers defense is good. Both only giving up 13 points a game. But the cold changes the way you want to hit somebody, and Gabe knows that. When it's cold, yeah, somebody's got to fold. And it depends on who's going to be, but I think the Gophers are molded in it. Can, can, can we start a petition to get the Gophers in a dome? Like, that, that's just, like, that's uncalled for, to bring snow into an indoor facility. And it's just like, just get them a dome. Like, get them a dome. Like, what are we doing? They had a dome. They, they, they had a dome. They built They a still new have outside. a dome. They literally, Saturday morning, there's nothing going on at U.S. Bank except maybe high school football, but I don't think so. They can go over to U.S. Bank on Saturday, but, hey, this is what they do. You got to come to our play. This is right. what the, the 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 Wisconsin Badgers take advantage of. This is what the Green Bay Packers take advantage of. This is what the Gophers are about to take advantage of. It's cold, and Iowa plays outside too, but it's a little bit warmer. I don't I don't know. You only drive four hours south. It's a lot warmer. Four to five hours south. Hey, you got to come up to it. We've been molded by this cold, and they are gonna run the ball. Uh, we got another one. The Wolves and the Wild start off to a 500 start in about uh, what is it, 15 games. Which of the two, the Wild or the Wolves, which is more disappointing? I'll start with you, Luke. Put me in the minority, I guess, but after their offseason and letting Fiala walk, I really thought the Wild would take a step back this season where the Wolves went totally opposite. They made the trade, the blockbuster of the summer for Rudy. So they had all the expectations. They had all the hype. And even I would assume they would probably start out a little slow as they tried to figure out how to mesh everything together how to put the pieces together on the court. But between the two teams, I'd personally, I'd be far more disappointed with the Wolves, personally, who had a lot of hype heading into the year than the Wild. I can, I'll eat up the rest of that clock. Um, I think it's the Wolves as well. The, the burden the Wolves carry is that if that trade doesn't work, they've got no money and no draft picks. There's not an easy out. Whereas the Wild, I think, still have a future beyond whatever happens in this season. Like, they're still waiting for the Parisi and Suter money to come off their books. And I know that they're a little bit cap-strapped as well. But the Wolves just have so much tied into these handful of players. And if the Gobert thing doesn't work, if it turns out that it's just impossible for him to play with Cat um, in the front court, well, you're kind of stuck. You're just stuck in this rut where you've spent all your assets, um, you don't have a lot of flexibility in the roster, you can't really add around it via free agency or the draft. So that's where the Wolves are at. It's, uh, it's a disappointing place to be for them unless they can turn this around, which they might be. They're 7-8, and eight, they've won a couple in a row, and they've got a couple good uh, prove-it games coming up here. I liked the way they looked in that uh, Orlando game. What you got, Gabe? Who's more disappointing? Wilder. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to Wild on this. I'm going to go to wild. Um, like, it's like, how do you finish second in your conference and you bring back, you know, similar players and then have a, where you start out seven and eight in a way that nobody expected? Like, this is that that's the more disappointing thing. Like, I, I was already disappointed in the Timberwolves trade when they traded for Gobert. So I was I was disappointed back this offseason. So I think that the wild and how, how they started this year based off of how they finished last year. That's the that's the most disappointing thing. I, personally, I, I never thought this Gobert thing was going to work. This Gobert trade was going to work simply because when teams go small, he he can't be on the court. So it's like why pay that much money and give up all that for 
teams to go small and take him out the game. You basically got all this money sitting on the bench. So I, hopefully it works out, but I just can't see it working out. And, and with the Timberwolves, if Gobert doesn't get a three, and Ron, let me know if you find it before I do. So I, I'm going <laughs> to go Minnesota Wild on this. Um, For me, and only because I went to the Gophers basketball game last night, by the way, 17 straight workouts. I'm gonna do. I'm doing two a days today as well to get to to 19 and 18 days. I don't know why. I'm, I'm, take, I'm a crazy take person. Take steroids, Ron. <laughs> I'm a hoop. I'm hooping at like 11, and then I'm gonna come back and lift right before my haircut at like four. So I'm gonna lift or like so 3:30 probably lift, shower, get a haircut. Gabe, it's nothing better than that. You know that. Take a quick nap yeah. backstage before people show up. Me and Gabe, you know, toast a little bit tonight, have a little drink, and then uh, get on that stage and model. Um, but this is where I go with the wild. After watching the Gophers last night, watching Dawson Garcia and Payne and those two bigs in the lane and the way they played together, the big difference is in Dawson, I guess you'd say he could be cat because Dawson does step out and hit threes. Payne is a bruiser inside. Uh, didn't do everything you need to do early. Central Michigan kept the game a little too close, and then late in the game, they, they started to blow it out. But this is where I see it. Payne and Dawson work well together, setting picks for each other behind the scenes, back doors. When he's in, when Dawson's in the post, which could be Cat, Payne is able to step back and hit a jumper. Like that's what is disappointing about those two bigs, is because on paper we thought they were a number four, or at least I did. Maybe everybody, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just too emotional. But I thought they were a number four team in the West on paper. When you look at, they are basically a better Utah Jazz, the way the Jazz have been built. And then all of a sudden, the Jazz are still kind of winning. And the, the Wolves are not. So I don't know what's going on, if it's the coaching style, if they need to change the offense. But I think they're more disappointing. Uh, I think hockey is one of those things where it's early, it's long. It, guys can get on heaters and start hitting goals, and then all of a sudden it's over. Basketball, if you mentally get out of it, you're out of it. Like, you start tanking for, what, Wambiamba or Wambianya? Uh, Wimbamba? Wimbinyana? Wimbinyana. <laughs> Uh, cause that's where it's headed. Like get rid of Gobert and go get the big Victor. Cause that kid is nasty. He is a beast. He is a baller of a game. Uh, we're not going to do Ron's game today. We're going to do one final quick take 30 seconds. The best you got, um, this weekend Vikings Cowboys. So we're all going to do, or not we all, me and Gabe are going to do the pregame show. And then we're going to have a little break. We're going to have some tea and crumpets, a little breakfast, maybe a little omelet. Sit around and relax. 325. It's going to be nuts in that stadium. Me and Gabe are going to probably link up on the field, take a little pregame picture. Uh, <laughs> but the thing about this game, man, is this is going to be another exciting one. Like, I think fans now after the Bills game, it's like it's like the sequel to a movie. Like, you see Creed 1, and now it's like, okay, Creed 2, you got you to gotta show me something. Because now after the Bills game, now the Vikings fans are excited to see this Vikings team and what they can do. So if you're looking for a big spot moment or a big stat to happen on Sunday night, what's your big pop spot moment or stat that you think is going to happen on Sunday? I'll start with you, Sam. Yeah, I think uh, Greg Joseph is going to be in position Ooh. to make some long kicks once again, which he has oh. not done really all year. I think that Greg Joseph is going to be asked to make two 50-plus yard field goals, and I think he's going to deliver. I think the Vikings win this game, and again, I only do weird scores. 25-19 Minnesota, and Greg Joseph will have to kick Ooh. some lengthy field goals to help the Vikings out. Saucy. 
Yeah, I'm looking at this Cowboys rushing attack. Even if Zeke doesn't play, Tony Pollard's red hot. Harrison Phillips coming off maybe the game of his career. Seven quarterback pressures. You don't see that a lot from a nose tackle. Maybe no Dalvin Tomlinson once again. This rotation, Tonga, Ross Blacklock, James Lynch, those guys are going to be vital and hopefully open up space for what we already talked about. Guys like Zedarius, you pointed it out, Ron. Zedarius over the A-gap in the middle of the defensive line with Daniil Hunter on the outside. That's what I'm looking for this Sunday. Gabe, what you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the, the rushing battle. Uh, Luke, I'm going to just pick it up off of yours. I feel like whoever rushes for more yards on Sunday wins the game. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have given up almost 450 rushing yards in the last two games. Uh, but they scored, um, I think, almost 80 points. So this Vikings run offense has been clicking the last few games. So whichever team runs the ball the best, will win because they'll be able to control the clock and ultimately be able to play action pass down the field. I think it'll be a high scoring game, but I think the Vikings will, will take the, the running battle. I'm going to go with a shock value moment. I think that Justin Jefferson or the big tight end or Adam Thielen, one of those two, one of those three, sorry, Adam Thielen, the big tight end, TJ Hawkinson, or Justin, somebody's going to have another one handed type or some kind of crazy <laughs> catch um and Gabe knows this once you do it once you feel like you're Bruce Leroy and you have the glow mm -hmm. and I think Justin Jefferson has that glow right now like he feels like that one hand is better he has Thanos's gold glove on right now and he put that seventh stone that's the one we didn't know about <laughs> on that wrist that seventh stone is sticky hands and he's feeling like Thanos with the seventh stone right now where you just put it in my area, Kirky, and I got you. And I think Kirky. that's going to be the big spot moment this weekend. I think there's going to be another like sports center type of – I hope it's not C.D. Lamb. I hope it's not mm -hmm. C.D. because we know his hands is quick. We saw him take the phone from his girl when she tried to check the bat phone, and I ain't never seen <laughs> nobody that quick. Like that man got 0 0.01 reaction time of girlfriend on cell phone. That is like NFL history speed. Like, oh my goodness. So I hope it's not his one-handed because he got that phone without even look. That was a no-look phone grab, you know, with the side eye after. Like, you ain't slick, girl. Get out of my way. <laughs> but I hope it's not CeeDee Lamb, but I think it's going to be a one-handed, ridiculous moment from somebody out of that crew this weekend and i'm hoping it's justin jefferson that's my big spot highlight moment for espn i want to thank gabe henderson for joining us on the round table i want to thank sam ekstrom luke inman we got matt debris back there working on the keys and remember people go to your tvs if you have a roku tv or a smart tv there's an app you can go to search you search menace locked on sports minnesota you can download the app and then you'll have it on your tv to just watch the videos i know you want to see what gabe looks like he looks the same as he does when he's standing next to PA. He's a cute guy. That's why he's modeling tonight. So make sure you download the app so you can see the videos. You can see all the jokes and the laughter. Maybe, you know, I started the show off one week with my shirt off for Kirk. We'll see what happens if they beat Dallas. Or if the Gophers beat Iowa, maybe I'll come in with a snowman on my shoulders. I don't know. But I want to thank you guys for watching. Continue to download, like, share, comment. Let us know. What is your big spot moment this weekend? What do you think is going to happen? Is Kirk Cousins going to gritty? Like after Kirk Cousins scores this weekend or throws a touchdown, does he do the hamstring gritty with Justin Jefferson? I don't know. You let us know what you think. He actually might pull it. Day.
Hey Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.